Father, thank you for this day, this Father's Day that you've given us to come together and worship you and come closer to you in the knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your precious manna from heaven. Thank you for causing it to go deep into our hearts and to help us, Lord. Heal us. Empower us. Let us have a revelation of your love and we prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. Quote that says, A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. We look around our culture and we see that the devastation of the family, which is the plan of the enemy, has had a dire effect on this country. It's much easier to become a father than it is to be one. There are many uh, who have decided not to take that responsibility on. And we've had a government in the past that has rewarded that and incentivized people to even not be involved uh, or to get married in the biblical sense. And that has to stop. The people of God need to stand up and take back our country, our church, our government, our entertainment and music and every other influence that is so overwhelmed by the power of Satan. And when we do, there will be revival in this nation and great things are coming. And I, for one, am looking forward to being a part of it. Luke chapter 15, reading from verse 11. This is the parable of the prodigal son. And he said, this is Jesus. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. So one of the sons asked the father while he was still alive, which was not done in their culture. It was all divided upon the death of the father. So he was basically telling him, Dad, to drop dead, give me what's coming to me even before it's time to give it to me. And the father did it. Verse 13, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property into reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants 
have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew Him not. You have a Father in heaven who loves you. A perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal Father in heaven. I know, even though I was critical of fathers in our nation, I was just like that. I never knew my father. And I really never knew the, the hurt and the anger it had put in me. I declared that I would never, ever do that to a child. But I had a son when I was young. And when he was still just a baby, I left. Living the prodigal life just like this man in the story. And I became the very thing that I hated. I'm so glad that I have a Father in Heaven who loves me perfectly. And when I found out that I did and that He loved me and didn't judge me on all the things that I had done, but Jesus had died and 
paid the price for all those sins and God saw me pure and holy in his eyes and just wanted to love me and be a good father. I really didn't know what a good father meant, but I had an idea of what I always longed for. Not only for myself, but longed to be and wasn't. And it brought me to my knees. And I'm thankful that we do have a father who loves us and wants to be a good father. It's unfortunate that so many people in our nation have never seen what a godly father looks like. And so you go into prisons and minister and some of those people, it takes a while for them to understand. Tell them what a a loving father they have and they don't want any part of that. To them, it means something else. They had a father that wasn't at all what they wanted. Or like me, didn't have one at all and didn't understand the concept. But you do. We need to make sure that we restore the the family in this nation. And it's the job of Christians to get the word out about what's proper and good. And to show an example of a godly family, godly marriage. The things that God wants people to see that are representative of Him. Just like the father in the story loved the, the prodigal son, he also loved the self-righteous son. He loves everybody. Our Father in Heaven, this is a type and shadow of our Father in Heaven, this parable that Jesus told. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, the whole world, everybody, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So He loves everybody. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, it says that Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Remember that? But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So he wants to save everybody. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, He desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he wants to forgive the sinner and the self-righteous. It says in Romans 3.22, And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, we are to... Love because He first loved us. That's what it says. We love because He first loved us. So He is the example and He, by grace, provides the power and ability to do just that. But it takes practice. The Holy Spirit is not going to overwhelm and overtake you and And cause you to act in love. He's going to try to lead you and guide you and nurture you in that regard. And he will 
nudge you and say, why aren't you trusting in me? Why aren't you believing me? He will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. But he can't, just like the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's the same with us. That's why God gave us a free will so that all of us who end up with him for all eternity, he knows it's because we chose him for him. Not because he forced us to. So love has to be done on purpose. It's in us. If we're born again, all of the character of God is in our spirit. Galatians 5.22-24 through 24 talks about the fruit of the spirit and also the fruit of the other one, which I will not mention because nobody has to be told what those things are. We know. But the character of God is peace. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness and temperance, or gentleness and self-control. Now, anything outside of that, you have gotten into the flesh, and you're living out of your soulish realm, out of your emotions, and you're not, and your soul at that point is not in agreement with God. Why do I say this? To condemn people? No, because it's a beautiful reminder and indicator. Hey, wait, I'm out of God's character. I'm out of my character. So when are you the hypocrite as a Christian? When you come to church, when you are out raising hell last night? No. When you, you're really the hypocrite when you were out raising hell last night. Because who you really are is who God says you are. That corrupt nature is gone from you. And now you have all the help you need. The very mind of Christ, the nature of God, and the character of God in your spirit. Now you have to draw it out of the well on purpose. Peter said in 2 Peter 1, the first, I want to read the first 10 verses. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So this is the last letter of Peter to the church. So, and he started out with these powerful words. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to the church. The King James calls it those who have obtained like precious faith. In other words, the same as him. The same measure of faith. The same scooper was used for all of us. One didn't get great faith and one got little faith. We got the portion, the measure. And now what we do with it is our is up to us. Those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our of Jesus Christ our Lord. What people really seeking after is not things. They think the things will make them happy. What they really want is peace. They want grace. What and it just Peter says here in verse two that grace and peace can be multiplied to you, and he tells you how. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
that knowledge is a knowing. Like Adam knew Eve and they conceived a child. Like Peter, like Jesus said in John 17, 3, when he was praying to the Father, and it was unusual what he did. He's praying to the Father and then he gave God a definition of eternal life like the Father needed to hear it. No, that's not what he was doing. He knew God understood eternal life. He was saying it for the benefit of the hearers. The, the, the disciples who were there present and listening and who would eventually write it down and have it there for us. And what Jesus said was this. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, your Son, whom you have sent. Knowing God, this intimate, passionate relationship with God equals eternal life. So eternal life isn't when we go to heaven. It starts the moment you enter into salvation and enter into a real relationship with God and with Jesus. Verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we have everything we need through the knowledge of Him. Again, there's through knowledge. Through the, people think they don't need the Word. Or they exclude parts of this Word. Or they act like this is a Bible, a book written by men about God. It's not. This All Scripture is God-breathed. And everybody needs this. Without it, we're going to be very weak in our Christian life. Weak in our faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So people that say they're walking in faith, but they're not full of the Word. They're not feeding on the manna of the Word of God, which is Jesus. How can they claim that they're strong in faith? Because they're not. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His great and precious promises, so that through them, through the promises in this book, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort. It takes work to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly love and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. Why? He's forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sins. It's a sin consciousness that keeps us in a sinful lifestyle. What are we to be conscious of? Our redemption. Our righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you have the character and the mind of Christ, and that God has forgiven all of your sins and made you, sanctified you, set you apart, and made you holy for His use, you won't continue doing ugly things. 
It's unbelief that causes us to act out. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. So we need the truth of the Word of God and we need to walk in grace, which is all the provision of Christ through the atonement, all of the peace, love, and joy we'll ever need, the prosperity and health we'll ever need, is all ours because of His sacrifice. And it's not only for us, it's for all races of people. It's for the self-righteous and the sinner, the greedy, the sexually immoral, the unforgiving, and the unholy. As long as there is life in their body, there is hope for them. We need to remember that that's how once we were darkness, and now we are light. The Bible doesn't say, Jesus didn't say that once you were in darkness... Once you preferred darkness, he said once you were darkness, and now you're light. And so what do people that are still darkness need? Light. Darkness runs from the light. So shine your light. In everything then, do to others as you would have them do to you. Hello, that's the golden rule. I know as a teacher, you're familiar with that one. Some people think that somebody like Benjamin Franklin wrote that. (laughs) It was Jesus. For this is the essence of the law and the prophets. In other words, if you just love others as and do to them as you'd have them do to you, you will never break a law against God. You would never break one of the commandments. You will exceed them. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's a sobering passage of Scripture from Jesus. He said, the highway to hell that I used to play so loudly in my car, he said, that road is broad and very heavily traveled. He said, the the road that leads to life is narrow and only a few find it. That's Jesus' words, a few. Wow. The story, our story today of the prodigal son It's as much about the self-righteous son as it is about the one in sin. You see, sin can be either an action or an attitude, which is displayed in this story. One had his actions were all sinful up until the time he repented and came home. But the good son, so to speak, he was his attitude was sinful. Even though he had never really done anything bad, his heart was not pure. And God sees that just as evil as any overt sin. The good kids and the bad kids need forgiveness and love, though. 
And we might associate with one or with the other or neither, which probably, if we don't associate with either, it probably puts us in the self-righteous son category. (laughs) Or we're just in denial. But in either case, we need to see our need for love and forgiveness from our Father in Heaven. The focus of today's story, though, is really the long-suffering and loving Father. This is the picture of our Father in Heaven. Now, He is the same as Jesus, isn't He? And He is with us always in the person of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want to think of the Father as some old man who is angry and out to get us. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. So all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus to see the will of God for us. Right? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And in Acts 10.38, it tells us, in a nutshell, what the Father is like, and what Jesus was like, and what the Holy Spirit is like. So Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and He went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If He did it then, He'll do it now. He's no respecter of persons, as we already determined. He did it for one, He'll do it for you. Amen? Amen. You know, there's, there's approximately 25,000 words recorded in the Bible that Jesus spoke. Many of them were about His Father, our Father in Heaven. He taught about the Father over 180 times that was recorded. He loved the Father. God is good. And He's good for you. I've got a few scriptures I just want to run through that remind me how thankful I should be for God. And I hope it will do the same for you. And a little bit about His character and the things He feels and says. Matthew 6.26 says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Matthew 18, 12-14 says, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Luke 6, 35 and 36 says, But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Luke twelve thirty two says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. John 14, 1 and 2, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. 
Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. John 16, 27. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. This is Jesus. And have believed that I came from God. So just putting our trust and our faith, our hope in Jesus, caused God the Father to love us just as he loves Jesus. We have the same, even though we're adopted children, we have the same rights and privileges as the natural born child, legally. God sees his covenant with us as a legally binding document. That's why it's so important that we learn to cooperate with his ways, with his words, with his spiritual laws that are in place. Because I try to tell people he's not up there making individual calls on whether he's going to grant your wish or your prayer or not. If you're on the naughty or nice list. No, it's whether or not you are walking in faith, trusting and believing in the promises he's placed in his word for your provision for every area of your life. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Romans 8, 15 and 16. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Hallelujah. And what's the message all these verses are sowing into our hearts? We have a Abba, that's the Hebrew or the Greek for daddy. Abba, father, a daddy in heaven who loves us, who cares and provides for us, who teaches us, who laughs and cries with us. No matter how far we have wandered, just like the prodigal son in the story, he will not forsake us. You know, it says when the prodigal son, he devised this great elaborate story. He's going to go home and tell the father he's not worthy and just to get some food and all that and just let him be like one of the slaves. He didn't have to. He started saying all that, but he didn't have to. The father, he was watching for him. He saw him. He said he saw him a long way off. And the father ran, which is, which is against the rules of their culture. The older men do not run. He ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him and hugged him and told them to kill the fatted calf, to, to put a ring on his finger. This is a signet ring, a, a ring of authority. A, you know, I'm my daddy's son. Everything my dad ha, authority he has, I have. Shoes on his feet. You know, when Moses approached God, he said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. This is, these are all things of power the, the, and, and, and position. 
the robe of righteousness. This is our Father just adorning us with all these things that we're not entitled to on our own merits, but He's done it because we love Jesus and He loves us. And that's how He feels about us. When He said, when He came to His senses, He said, I will set out and go back to my Father. But Jesus also taught about a bad father, the devil. Some people like to forget about that one. The new age things that are seem to be so prevalent in our culture, which would take people straight to hell, they disregard all things like that. The devil would like nothing more than for people to not believe he exists. He disguises himself as an angel of light. John 8.44 says, Jesus told these religious leaders, these hypocrites of the time, He said, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. It has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Jesus talking about the devil. But if you're born again, if you have truly yielded your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then your Father is God in heaven. It's not the devil like Jesus was telling these unholy, un, self-righteous men. You're not like them. He said their father was the devil. Our father was the devil before we came to know Jesus. But not anymore. Praise God. So we need to see our value by the price that has been paid for us. When you go to a store or you go shopping, the value of something is based on how much you're willing to pay for it, right? Well, look at the price that was paid for you. It is everything. You think God is more interested in the, the streets made of gold than he in heaven than he is his son Jesus no he puts no value on those other things it's Jesus when he gave Jesus it temporarily bankrupted heaven and he would do it again let's pray father we today we pray for fathers everywhere if you have a father, I pray that you will honor them and be a blessing to them as Jesus is the perfect example of this. If you're a father, my prayer for you is that you humble yourself and recognize your need and total dependence on your father in heaven in order to be the father and godly man he created you to be. And for all, I pray that you grow closer to your heavenly father, that you put your total trust, your confidence, your dependence upon Him, knowing that He loves and cares for you, I pray that you begin to seek Him and grow in the grace and knowledge of His Word, your Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be able to walk in agreement with Him and be partaker of the manifest blessings He's provided for this life regarding you and your family. Thank you, Lord, for your precious Word. Just ask that you help us to hold on to it. Allow it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. 
We love you, Father. We thank you for being such a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen.